Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody. I am here with one of my very good friends and uh, and talented coach extraordinaire, um, Casey Carden. Hi, Casey. Hello. Thank I'm you. So excited. Oh, thank you so much uh, for joining me. I don't even know which uh, in which order we're going to release this uh, this episode. But I loved when we were talking yesterday, um, talking about popping my uh, my podcast cherry. Yes, yes, I get to take your podcast virginity. It feels like such an honor and a responsibility. I promise to be gentle and take good care of you from my side. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Well, um, so as I as I you know have been been thinking and brainstorming and and getting this thing off the ground, um, you were just one of the first uh, people that I thought to uh, to bring on the show. Um, so I'll I'll just introduce you just a little bit for those of you who do not know Casey. Um, she is an executive coach um, and. Uh, facilitator. She's a trainer. Um, She's worked with leaders from all sorts of companies, including Google, Etsy, ABC, Fox, Chief. And really, um, the thing that I love most about Casey is that I, the more I get to know her, she just has all of these uh, talents. Like It's like there's nothing that this woman cannot do. Um, she's also, to me, Casey, you are just the embodiment of uh, feminine work and expression. Uh, so she's also done a lot around um, the the. Sh- chakras. So she has a program called Chakralesque, um, which is actually you tell the people what it is, Casey. You can do better than I can. <laughs> sure thing. Chakralesque. Oh, love it. So Chakralesque is a cross between burlesque inspired dance movement with energy, healing, Reiki, chakra balancing, a little bit of transformational coaching thrown in because I just can't help myself and some cardio. So it's, I I say it's a workout for your body, mind, and your spirit. Mm. That's probably the best way to sum it up. Yeah. I, I love that the, I love that it's just an integration of every, like all of the elements of you in the world. It really is. It is all. Is there anything else? I say it's all of my favorite, like healing, any modality that I have experienced as part of my own healing journey or spiritual journey is inside of this class. Yeah. 
I love that. Well, um, so as I mentioned when we spoke, Casey, the reason, um, while there's, you know, we could talk for hours about uh, about all of the different little uh, nooks and crannies of your life, um, but the thing that I am most curious to talk about today is your life, um, your former life as a professional dominatrix. <laughs> Not often these days that I get to talk about that or get asked about it. Um, and, you know, to be, to be totally clear, it was a fairly brief chapter of my life, um, <laughs> but it was the chapter that is this sandwiched between a decade of work as a professional opera singer. And then now going on, I mean, very close to the next decade of work as an executive and leadership coach. And in between those two phases, we have a little moment where Casey was a pro dom in New York city. (laughs) (laughs) And as I told you, when we kind of touch base about this podcast, my first business name idea for my coaching business was dominate your life. (laughs) Dominate your life. I'm always about the integrations, really. Always about that. Well, yeah. And I, and I love, um, I love, I love that, right. Just the, like bringing all the facets of your life and, and integrating everywhere, you know, and, um, and I want to, you know, get it, get right into it here. Um, but you know, the, the reason I want to bring this conversation to my audience, um, is a, just because you are an example of somebody that's like, okay, yep, I'm interested in that. Okay, great. I don't care what people think. I'm just going to do it. Um, and like the outward expression of, desire. Um, and then I also am so curious to hear about, um, just like some of the stories of people that you worked with. Um, because I, I really want to create, um, more approval for whatever people desire in their life, like, and, and also in the bedroom and sexually, but like, even more broadly speaking, I just want to create a level of approval. And so this, uh, yeah, this topic just has all of those pieces. So take us back, like set the stage. What, like where, I know we, this was New York City, like what year? Um, tell me, yeah, tell me kind of like the, all the, the surrounding conditions of like when you said, oh yeah, you know, I think I'm going to be a professional dominatrix for a moment. <laughs> yeah. And let me, let me sort of rewind myself yeah. as well. Cause like I said, it's, it's been a while really since I even revisited the moments leading up to that. Um, I just did some writing around it. So it's, it was really beautiful divine timing when you approached me about being on the podcast. It, it's kind of amazing how it works. Um, I also can't, before I even go there, I can't get the phrase out of my head. Desire doesn't have to make sense. (laughs) Desire does not make sense and typically does not ask for your approval. (laughs) And I really want to acknowledge that you're creating this space for people to feel like it's safe to go with their desire or safe to give themselves that level of approval. Um, you yeah. know, and even in revisiting how I came to explore the really professional sex work world, 
which still feels odd to hear coming out of my own mouth, honestly, yeah. because that is certainly not anything that I ever thought I would be a part of. You know, it's not the thing that I said when I grew up. I want to, you know, tie people up and whip them for a living. Like I just, it's just so far out of the realm of anything I would have considered for myself. Um, although it is one of the, the, one of those things where seeds are kind of planted along the way in your life. Sometimes desire will present itself to you mm. along the way, start uh-huh. to open you up just a little bit, kind of warm you up to it. And then there's a day where you're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's it. That's what this has been telling me all this time. So yeah. for me, I guess we have to rewind all the way back to 2007 which was the year that I first started to really get into reading erotica. I I was dating a guy at the time. Mm. He was really into classic erotica and I'm like Anais Nin, um, I think Henry Miller. And um, there was, there was a a novel that I read that year called the the story of O and Mm. that one really woke something up inside of me. And there was, there's just so much, um, power play in that, that I just found so interesting. And up until that point, I'd never really even read people talking about sex and eroticism in that way and sensuality. So it was really exciting. And that same summer I happened to be at, um, I was, I was singing in an opera apprentice program, so like a young artist program. And one of my fellow young artists was living in New York at the time. And she was talking one night about a friend of hers who worked as a professional dominatrix. You know, also a singer and this is her, you know, sort of when you, when you move to New York as an artist, you kind of know that at some point you're going to have what everybody calls a survival job, you know, and for some people it's like bartending, waiting tables, that sort of thing. Well, for this woman, it was pro dom work. And my friend said, you know, she makes like $800 a night doing this dominatrix work and she just loves it. It's so fun and so freeing. And she gets to just act out all these fantasies about herself and be this different person. And I was just fascinated, fascinated, could not wrap my head around how one got into that line of work, but there was something in me that was like, oh yeah, I could totally do that. Oh yeah. Well, and tell us more, um, because I'm so interested in, um, like our shadow sides, you know, it's like, it's there and we can either just completely ignore it or we can like lean in (laughs) and, um, and let that part of us come out. So I'm curious for you, like what was, um, clearly it hit something in you if you had to describe like that part of you, what was like, who's that woman? That's such a great question. And it actually makes me think of reading the book, the dark side of the light chasers, Debbie Ford's book, which is so powerful and has this amazing exercise where you actually sort of draw a picture of the shadow self. And I remember when I did that exercise, it was after I had done the pro dom work, which was in 2000. When was my, when were my dom days? 2012, I think 2011, 2012. Um, but I was doing the exercise in that book. And when I drew out my shadow side, I was like, Oh, I recognize her. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that shadowy part of me, I think is in all honesty, very power hungry, Mm -hmm. very domineering, um, very aggressive. 
-hmm. unafraid to go after what she wants and unafraid to stomp on the bodies along the way, completely unapologetic. Um, There's also a lot of rage there. There's also, you know, there's anger, there's rage. Um, I think some of that is shame fueled for my shadow self. Not a lot of guilt, but a lot of anger and a lot of shame. Mm, thank you. And yeah. And in my younger years, some of that definitely showed up for me around sex. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I had some experiences. I, I'm a survivor of assault, multiple different assaults by multiple different people. There's a lot yeah. to work through there, you know? Yeah. And so sex for me from a very young age was a source of great pleasure, but also a source of deep trauma. And to be able yeah. to be with all of that and to be with desire and to love myself in the face of all of what gets dredged up when you talk about sex and passion and desire and all of that. It is, there is a lot of shadow work to do around that. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much just for your, um, for your generosity in like sharing all of that. Um, that's, that's really what I want people to hear is like, we all have that some, some, something in us and, uh, and there's so much around just shedding light onto it and actually working with it. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of misinterpretations about the world of, you know, dominance and submission. Mm-hmm. Well, and working with it is so key instead of, squashing it down, avoiding it, making it wrong, but finding a way to bring it up and out in a way that is supportive of yourself and of other people. Yeah. Such a gift in that. And I honestly cannot imagine another space in which I've gotten to access that in the way I did in the dominatrix work. Totally. Okay. So we're in New York. You're like, all right, well, you know, I could, uh, I could, I could make some money doing this and uh, touch this other part of me that like feels oddly drawn to this. (laughs) It was right before I turned 30. So it was like, you know, you're like, gosh, anytime you're at one of your decade birthdays, right. You feel like you're on this cusp and you got to do something big and changes are coming whether you like it or not. And I was in between jobs. I think I had $250 in the bank and rent was due the next day. And it was one of those starving artist New York moments where I was like, what do I want to do? And I sat on a bench in central park And I cried for a second. And then I immediately thought of my friend who in 2007 said, she makes $800 a day as dominatrix. Like I could hear her voice echoing in my mind. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's do some research here. And so it was probably three days later, several emails back and forth, lots of website visits. And (laughs) when I wrote this the other day, I said I was in an elevator with a whip in my purse and a smile in my heart. <laughs> oh my gosh. Going up into this elevator. It was this one person elevator in a midtown office building. And this building is like, you know, pretty standard, normal New York high rise building. But oh there's God. this one man elevator in it and there's a camera so they can see who's coming and going. And there's only enough room for one person at a time. Like a lot of confidentiality here. A lot of secrecy, a lot of confidentiality um, and a lot of security you know, and I go into this place to do a job interview, basically. 
Yeah. What and, was the interview like? <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, a lot of psychological questions. Really? A lot. I felt like I was being interviewed by a, yeah, like by a therapist or by some kind of, I don't know, yeah. FBI psychological interrogator. I'm sure there's a, an appropriate job title for that. But um, yeah, a lot of questions about my mental and emotional stability. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I, you know, I don't know anything about the, uh, you know, the pro BDSM uh, industry. I mean, you know, other than what I've heard from you, but I think that's great. Like, I this, too. you know, that they, uh, that they took that kind of like diligence. I mean, it's not something, I mean, it's, it can really mess you up if you're not actually like supported from a mental wellness stand, standpoint. Yeah, they were very clear. This is not the place for you to come work through your stuff if you have not had sufficient professional support and you have any trauma that you haven't worked through and that sort of thing. They were very upfront about it. And they were very upfront that, you know, you're going to run into some pretty confronting Mm -hmm. quests here. You know, they were very also very clear. Safety is one of their top concerns. You know, it was all very much about it's about safety and pleasure. Yeah. It's wow. And and freedom of expression and um they they did like that I had the um professional arts and acting background. That was very oh, yeah. helpful. They had mm-hmm. some, you know, questions about that. Yeah. Um yeah, and I don't really remember any other specific questions honestly, but the just the energy around it was this this man who is interviewing me is very serious about this. This is not just anybody walks in the door and they hand you a, you know, a whip and on you go. They showed me around the rooms. They kind of introduced me to some of the people who were working there to get a feel for everybody's energy and things like that. And (laughs) said, all right, we're going to, you know, go through a background check to make sure there's nothing questionable here. And then once I got approved, I went through shadowing. Oh my gosh. Um, Wait, tell us about the dungeon. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I just need a visual here so I can really place myself, uh, you know, 2012, Casey's starting her career as a, as a dominator. First things first, the dungeon is on like the 33rd floor of this office building. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's a dungeon in the sky. This is fascinating. Oh my god. I think I think yeah. I my guess is that it is one of many dungeons in the Manhattan skyline. I totally. think there are yeah. many more than people yeah. might think. Um it was, you know, this the stereotypical part is that it was very dark, you know, like dark walls, lots of yeah. velvety accoutrement um there was you know like I said you have like the one person elevator there was a waiting room where people would come in um so that it it was mostly one person at a time at any space at any given time you know so a client would come in and there was a waiting room and often people would come in and they would they would have their favorites they would have the the people that they preferred to work with but sometimes they would want to sort of see who all's here? Who who's new? So there was this there's sort of this parading around of 
<laughs> you know, whoever was there at the time. And that part always felt, that part felt a little strange, but also like an audition. It felt just like going into the room for a musical theater audition. I'm going to go in here. You're going to look me up and down, head to toe. You're going to see if I match what you have in your head for this part. And wow. then on we go. So... There was that. There were a lot of different rooms. There was also a break room. So there was a room where all of the other, it was, I think it was all women who worked at this particular place. So there was a break room with a TV and couches where if you weren't working, you could just sit and chill and watch Will of Fortune or, or whatever was on, you know, and a locker room where you changed and where they had a whole costume closet and all of these these yeah. kind of things. But then there were different rooms, different rooms. There was a purple room, a red room, a green room, and they had different, you know, oh, yeah. different toys, different setups. Just different a teams. whole. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just a whole thing. Wow. Well, um, what I'd love to talk a little bit about the um, just the power dynamic. So, um, you know, for those of you who are listening, who you're like, I don't, I have never heard about, not that you've not heard about BDSM, but you know, what is that? Like, what's the deal with it? Why do people get off on it? Like, I'd love to just dive into that. Um, and yeah, maybe just share, uh, about what your experience was of the of the power dynamic, like what what you what you saw about it, what you saw for yourself in that. One of the most notable noticeable things for me was how rarely it was about sex. Yeah, you. I was gonna a while ago when you said like, oh, being a sex worker. I really wanted to go into that because it's like. That word to me just doesn't even really capture what this is. And I, you know, before that came out of my mouth a moment ago, I almost didn't use that terminology, but part of my intention is to uh, sort of destigmatize totally that phrase. Yeah. I even have bias around it. Like I have judgment and bias around the phrase sex worker. I immediately think something shady is going on there. I immediately yeah. think prostitution. I immediately think something illegal or, you know, I think of desperate people who have no other choices in life and look what they've turned to, yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff comes up for me too. So I would be shocked if it didn't come up for people listening, um, especially, man, parents, if you're out there listening to me. <laughs> my mom knows these stories. <laughs> Esther, my family, probably not super clear on this chapter of my life. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, <laughs> you know, and probably a lot of my clients also not super familiar with this part, although some are. Some, some I've been very open with this being something that I experimented with. Um, yeah. and it, you know, for me, it's also, it's kind of part of my leadership development. Like this is a place where yeah. I experimented with who do I want to be when I'm in charge of something, you know, yeah. when something is my responsibility when somebody else's vision or happiness or needs are in my hands. What does that feel like? And, and uh. what does that look like for me? Um, so yeah, so the sex worker part, but having it really not, yeah, it just rarely was about sex or even sexual gratification. Um, mm. There was actually no touching. Mm. Yeah, say I, more about that. 
I think that for some of the women who are just to be totally honest and candid, I suspect that there were things that happened behind other closed doors that probably yeah. went far beyond boundaries that I would have and set around yeah. that. Um, but for me, there was absolutely zero touching. I would, you know, I used whips and I used paddles and uh, once used a cigarette at someone's request. Um, but I didn't touch people and they were never allowed to touch me for any reason whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I would occasionally let somebody touch my hand or my wrist. I think yeah. once I let somebody touch the bottom of my thigh. Yeah. But it was, it was very controlled and there was a lot of reserve and it was more about, it was really so much more about them than about me. Right. You no, know? like they weren't, they weren't there because of me. A lot of them were there because they had some desires. Um, some of them, some of the, the sort of the popular ones that I dealt with were people who wanted to feel humiliated, people who wanted to have things said to them that they would never ask of their partner, um, you know, different role playing, different. Um, I had some. Uh, some male clients who like to dress as women or dress as animals or, you know, play like they were kids. There was one who liked to play like he was a kid um, walking around the room, but it wasn't sexual. There was no sexual component for that particular person, but there was a lot of, you know, you play mommy, you tell me what to do. There was a lot of um, just kind of bossing somebody around. There were a few where, you know, you would get a request that every now and then, at least for me, I would think to myself, I hope this person is also getting some therapeutic support for whatever incident in their life this stems from. Yeah. You know, I, I think that was, that was part of what had this be such a short chapter for me, because even though these clients were walking away feeling really gratified, really supported, they walked away feeling really happy and, and, and fulfilled in some way. You could tell it, it was yeah. as much a heart and a mental need and request as it was a sexual request. Yeah. But sometimes it was really hard to be with. Sometimes some of them were heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, I, yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um, in this kind of a setup, I can just imagine um, it not being sustainable because you are pouring, like as, as the dom, you are pouring your energy into whoever your submissive is. Mm -hmm. And in a situation like this, where it's like a bunch of one-off interactions, um, and it's commerce-based, right? I mean, you know, they're paying something for this right. experience. Right. I can just imagine the um, the energy feedback loop. It's tricky, you know. In a in a um, you know, if you have a, a dominant and submissive relationship, right, that is not you know based in a professional relationship, just a relationship in the world, you could have the submissive pouring back into the dom, mm. and so there's that's. To me, I'm like, that's the only way this works, like, like the only way that it's sustainable. So how did you, um, like work with your energy mm. and your boundaries? Yeah, there were, mm, 
Let me actually give a more thoughtful answer to that question. Because one of my answers, honestly, is that were some nights that I just had to go home and laugh about some of the stuff that I had dealt with and seen. Like, to be yeah. totally honest, there were nights where I was like, if I do not giggle at this man who needed to dress up in bloomers and like a petticoat and have me tell him how beautiful he was for an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, there were moments where I was like, this was one of the most absurd hours that I have lived in my life up until this point. There is a 66 year old man with a beard dressed up basically as little Bo Peep genuinely just needing me to tell him that he's beautiful. And there's something so heartfelt and wonderful about it. And in the moment I'm like fully present and I'm there with him yeah. and I am ooing and eyeing and cooing over him as if he is my own, you know, five-year-old daughter who I'm so proud of. And then I get home and I'm like, what? I don't even yeah. know this guy. I don't know his background. I don't know where he comes from. I don't know anything about his family or anything like that. And sometimes I just kind of had to laugh at the absurdity of it all and the absurdity of humanity, the, mm. you know, the absurdity of all of the things, all of the life experiences we go through and how they create these, these paradigms that we live in, that we're then left to kind of figure out, okay, how do I want to deal with this? How do I want to be with this part of me? And yeah, sometimes you just kind of have to laugh at it all and not let it get too serious. Um, therapy on my side was also very important. Yeah. You know, making sure I had a space where I could talk about it and laugh or cry or be mad or be turned on. You yeah. know, I very rarely had the experience of feeling turned on by somebody I saw there, somebody I encountered. Um, there was one, there was one client in particular, really young, really sexy, you know, handsome guy. Um yeah. And, and again, there was no touching. There was no real like sexual encounter between us, but the energy was there. You know, there, yeah. was, that, there was that sexy sexual tension energy between us. And you could tell, you know, when you, when you have somebody you look at and you both mutually appreciate each other, totally. <laughs> you know, and you're like, okay, you're hot. I'm hot. Let's enjoy that. Well, and you're, you're in an environment where you're intentionally creating polarity yeah yes it's a perfect <laughs> so like that just in it i don't care what the person looks like like it, or you know if they're in your preferences or not there is something that is very hot about the polarity yeah well and i'm oh, sorry go ahead well and that's and I, just the other thing i was going to say is like that's the thing that we're all seeking you know it's like we have all these married couples that are just like dead in their sex. And this is why there's no, they have no polarity, no push against. Yeah. Well, create the heat in so many people who are trying to be what they're supposed to be or be who they're supposed to be versus yeah. what their desire is speaking to or asking of them. Yeah. Totally. You know, and I think in my personal life at that time, I was certainly trying to be whatever anybody needed me to be. You know, you yeah. work in the performing arts, your entire job is to show up and, and like be this role. Mm -hmm. And I think that people who are most successful in the industry, you know, they are who they are. They show up and they, they give you what they've got. I struggled with my own need for approval, getting in the way of my auditions and that part of my career. It was a, it was a big challenge for me. And in my dating life, 
you know, who do you need me to be? I'll be there. <laughs> I will be lovable. <laughs> as long as you just stay with me forever. Yeah. Just don't leave. Yeah. And it took so long to work through that. And I really do, again, feel like this particular job was a place where I did not have to give a shit about who this person wanted me to be behind that closed door. Yeah. You know, just pour out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really powerful and it was powerful to watch some of these people ask for what they wanted without any shame, without any embarrassment, you know, and even if they had to pay, you know, however, $300 an hour, $500 an hour, whatever else people were paying at the time, you know, they may have had to pay to feel safe and secure to ask for what they wanted without shame, you know? Yeah. But there's something healing for people. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, the whole industry is really controversial. And I'm like, listen, if people are getting needs met and they're empowered around it, then like, I'm a hell yes to that, you know? Um, and it's, yeah, there's something so beautiful about like needs being met. Well, and some of the, you know, some of the requests, some of the things that people wanted or some of the things people wanted to act out, um, every now and then they would share, they would share with me about why they were there and why it was important to do it at the dungeon and not at home. And some of them would say, if my partner knew that I wanted to dress up in a diaper and wear a lampshade on my head and have you parade me around the living room in front of all the other doms while you all laugh at me on this leash. If I told my wife that that was exciting and titillating and satisfying to me, she would think I was crazy. She would leave. She would feel bad about me, us, herself, all these other things. And I don't want to put any of us through that or my family through that. And so that's the thing for me where... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, somebody asked me once, you know, do you feel like it was cheating? I'm just like, I feel more like I was some kind of amateur therapist than I was like anything related to sex. So while technically you could say it's sex work, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, and I'm probably, you know, I feel that's a, that's sort of a risky thing to say. I feel like I'm speaking, speaking of my expertise there, but yeah. I don't know. It was just something about that where that person needed that to feel whole, to feel complete, to feel alive. Do they yeah. also need to work through that in some other professional modalities? I would say absolutely. But mm-hmm. if there's something that that gives them that has them feel fully accepted and feel like that's part of their own version of self-love, yeah, who am I, you or anybody else to tell them that they shouldn't do that or that there's something wrong with that? Totally. Well, and uh, one of my uh, BDSM teachers, Omer Pani, you know, he always says, uh, plan- yes, like people will tell you this work is incredibly healing, you know, and he's like very clear. He's like, I'm never going to claim I'm not a healer. I'm not claiming that as part of this, you know, like it's just not the same thing. And people will tell you like, I touched a deep part of my soul and like healed it through this work. So, you know, I think it's, uh, everybody gets to choose for themselves and you have to trust yourself and know what you need. Absolutely. And for me, you know, it healed some stuff for me. It healed something for me as a person who 
had a story that I wasn't allowed to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. A person who had a story that it wasn't safe for me to say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. No, you can't touch me there. No, you can't touch me at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't speak to me that way or speak to me at all. Any of those things to be able to say that and not only have somebody respect it, but actually be really excited and turned on by my boundaries was an amazing experience. It was an extraordinary experience actually. Yeah. Wow. I I mean, the whole practice of of dominance and submission is, is like all about what are you a yes to? What are you a no to? And there's no in between. It's not a maybe yes or like, you know, it's just yes or no <laughs> in this moment. Your yes or no could be different tomorrow and that's okay. But in the moment, you have to be clear. That's one of the things I love so much about it is, you know, it is such a practice in getting clear on what, what's good for you and what's not. Yeah. Well, and my partner and I in the past year have done, you know, some tantric practices and some classes around that. And that was one of the big takeaways from those two is practicing desire, practicing a clear yes and no without having any attachment to it and no judgment around whether something is a yes or a no. Just listening to your body, your desire, your soul, your heart, and trusting that your partner is going to be there with you. Yeah, that's super good. Oh, well, you know, as we, uh, as we start to land this plane here today, mm-hmm. um, Casey, I would love to just get your thoughts on like what, what you would say to people who have, have a desire or a need or like something that they want to express, whether it's sexually or otherwise, And they're just sitting in a pile of shame, like, oh gosh, no way I can have this. No way I can say this. It's not okay. Um, What would you say to someone that's in that position? Mm. I would say that your desires are not, your your desires are not inspired accidentally. (laughs) And that if you can trust them and you can bring them forth in a way that serves you and the people around you. You know, I'm all about not bringing forth desires that harm um, other beings. Um, But I don't know that that's desire. You know, like I think that's different. I think the more you fall into shame, the more you risk actually taking things out in a way that could be harmful to yourself or another person. Um, You actually embrace the inspiration of desire and create that from an authentic, heartfelt, empowered place it can can it only creates more beauty in the world more beauty Um, more freedom more authenticity more connection yeah wow thank you so much casey this um this is what i needed to hear today So I, uh, I would love for people to know, um, what's going on for you in your business, how they can get in touch with you, just all the things that the people should know. All the things that people should know there. And you know, me, there are always a lot of things. I am always <laughs> at least one too many things. <laughs> 
That is my desire, though. Stop um, that. It's your desire. You can have it, Casey. Yes, all of them. You don't only have to have one desire, says the person who will order, like, you know, Thai food, Mexican, and steak for dinner at any given time. Um, <laughs> no, so I have uh, Chakralesk happens monthly, at least once a month. Sometimes we have multiple classes in a month. So if you go to chakralesk.com or go to Instagram and search for Chakralesk, you will be able to register for our next upcoming class. And I'm doing some really cool collaborations with that coming up. We're collaborating with some different we got a naturopath, got some yoga teachers. Um, we've got a beauty guru coming on soon. So sometimes people get a little, little 15 minute educational snippet, and then we dance through the chakras. Um, I'm about to launch a new divinely expressed women's group. Um, oh, amazing. We don't know when this will air. So that may be open or not when people hear this, but it is something that I do on a regular basis. We actually led the first divinely expressed women's retreat in Costa Rica last year. Um, and when we're all able to travel again, that will then become an annual occurrence. Um, so there's that. Um, I also, of course, do executive and leadership work, which is typically a very different conversation. I don't want to say totally different conversation. Yeah, I don't think it's different. Desire is part of business too. I know. I tell people there is a, there is a correlation between bedroom and boardroom. For sure. It really is. And who you be about your desire. If you're, if you're greedy with your desire versus connected and, and fully empowered and expressed around it, they can manifest very differently. So, um, so Casey Carden coaching. Chakralesque, both on internet, Facebook, Instagram, all those good All things. the things. We'll include that in the show notes. Great. Amazing. Oh, Casey. Um, and I really want to acknowledge you before we go for creating space to talk about things like this without the the shame and judgment that, like I said, even I carry some, some stigma and bias around this particular topic or this part of my life. So I really want to acknowledge that you are doing such amazing work to have people feel so safe and so able to just openly be with all of their wildest desires and actually create a life that reflects that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much um, for being a part of this. I, uh, I so appreciate you. Mm, you too. Thank you. Yeah. All right, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.